0: I wanted to make a, not like you had enough announcements, but I wanted to draw your attention to a few things. Um, I currently serve over the school Supernatural Leadership, Uh, uh, I got it. Influence and generation to be passionate followers of Jesus that changed the world. So we have two classes that are coming up. And I don't want you to sign up to these classes and not get an angel. Don't do that to me. I just want to get the word out for these. You have plenty of time to sign up. So we're going to run Lead Like Jesus again. It's going to start January 7th. And so there are cards over there by the banners. And then in March, we're going to uh, launch for those that like to plan ahead. We are going to our next class is live like Jesus, um, and so the school Supernatural Leadership is all about Jesus, okay? I tell, I tell people, if you, do, if you get tired of hearing about Jesus, don't sign up to my school okay because it's going to be live like Jesus lead like Jesus teach like Jesus talk like Jesus let's uh, sayings of Jesus miracles of Jesus we're just going to talk about Jesus for the for a long time okay um, and so and so the school' of supernatural leadership is we focus on one essential truth for six weeks one Christian essential truth for six weeks and what we do in the school is help you uh, develop a framework on how to approach scripture how many know that the Bible can be a little intimidating, right? Have you ever been in that spot, 66 books, how do I figure this all out? Well, the school, uh, we will teach you a framework, and basically a framework is an approach to a particular topic. And so frameworks help us take complex things and simplify them a little bit. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey with following Jesus, um, you're going to develop some skills on how to study the Word. Uh, It's not a Bible study, it's a school that's studies the Bible. And I think that's pretty important as we navigate um, further in our walk with the Lord, that you need to learn how to develop some skills to study the Word. It is um, uh, it is very beneficial for you in your life. And so that's what the school's is about. Um, if it fits your schedule, it fits your schedule. If it doesn't, it doesn't. My prayer is that the people would right people would be in the right seats at the right time to learn about Jesus. And so I'm not this hard sell kind of person where you need to sign up to my school. It's not going to answer every question in your life. What it's going to do is it's going to uh, create a space where you can go after Jesus. And so after every class, we do a a service project, because how many know faith without... Okay. Jesus, help me today. Did you guys go to Starbucks like I did today? No? You should have. Faith without... Is dead, and so the school after every class does a service project. So I am officially inviting everybody on this service project on Saturday, November the nineteenth. We are going to come here at nine a.m. We're going to get into some little light buses, and we're going to go to helping the homeless thrift store, and we're going to help Wendy sort through some things and inventory. Okay, that's what we're going to do, and. Uh, we have partnered with The Verge because I love The Verge. How many love The Verge? I love The Verge. Oh, I love The Verge. And so, so SSL is partnering with The Verge, and we're going to go down there and just help Wendy sort through some stuff. All right? So that's available to you. Um, in those, I actually put some chocolate over there. So if you go over to that desk, you can get a couple of pieces of chocolate. They're not just for Milo. Milo loves uh, Pastor Josiah's little boy Milo loves my table because I have candy there. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it worked. Uh, so, uh, go over there, grab that, whatever. If it works, go ahead and do that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14. We'll get into the Word. Are you ready to get into the Word today? I am too. I uh, came to my office this morning, and somebody had put some a coaster on my Bible. I will strengthen you, and help you, Isaiah 41.10. And then I got this nice little bookmark. So whoever did that, thank you. I appreciate that. I needed that. Oh, no, you're still not there. I don't know. (laughs) Acts chapter 14, you will wake up. In Ephesians, it says, wake up, O sleeper, Rise from the dead and allow Christ to shine upon you. So this morning, wake up, people. All right. So here's, here's Acts chapter 14. I got two statements. And I want to unpack these statements today. So are you with me? Please, somebody. Do I have any SSL students with me today? All right. Somebody smile at me or something. All right. Uh, okay. So these two statements came from a class I was in. Uh, I'm currently in college. Uh, I've been in college forever. It's a terminal degree, so it's either going to kill me or I'm going to finish it. Either one. (laughs) <laughs> so I got a year and a half left, let's let's see which one happens first, I'm not quite sure. But anyways, I was taking a class called Global Leadership, and the assignment was to study the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, because he was a global leader before we had these fancy leadership books to tell us what kind of characteristics we were supposed to have. So you're supposed to look at the book of Acts, study the Apostle Paul, and then compare his characteristics to the leadership characteristics of a global leader. And as I was studying the book of Acts, I had two statements. It just was overwhelming. And I was like, I need to share this with everybody, everybody that I see because these things I don't hear very much. Here's the first statement. And you might want to leave after I say these statements, but that's okay. Uh, it's a free country. I love America. Thank you. Um, so here's the first statement. Vision clarity produces conflict. Here's the first one. And the second statement is, purpose produces pain. So I told you, you might want to leave. Vision clarity produces conflict, and purpose produces pain. My beautiful daughter, Joy, she's 14. She has this app. It's called Be Real. And the Be Real app is basically you have a group of friends, and once a day, the timer goes off and you have two minutes to take a picture of yourself, whatever you're doing, so that you can be real. I kind of like this app, though I'm not much on social media, but I like it because it's kind of like coming into the face of, of, of Instagram where you only present the best part of yourself. You know, like when you take a picture on Instagram, you're not taking a picture of those nasty food you're eating. You, you're taking a picture of that filet mignon, Right, and then you're taking picture when your whole family's like super happy, and I'm not telling you, hey, listen, I'm not telling you to be posting bad stuff. I think you should post the good stuff, right? But Instagram, social media presents a portion of our life, but not the real part of life. Would you agree with me? So this app, Be Real, is kind of like I like it. It's kind of refreshing. I think people. There is a desire for authenticity in our world that I think God has produced, right? So the title of my, my perspective in this particular text is to be real. Now, I'm not being real today just so I can tell you how I feel because there's that kind of real and we don't need to be talking about that all kind of real. James says to be slow to speak and quick to listen. I'm not talking about being real. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I'm talking about real being, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? That kind of real. Because I've had to apologize to people, and maybe I'll start off this on on YouTube. Hey, YouTube people, and hey, guys, can I just apologize to you? Because I didn't tell you that when you got vision clarity that you would run into a whole bunch of conflict. Because I've told you, hey, man, when your vision is clear, your life's going to accelerate. It's going to be awesome. You should get to a place of vision clarity. And then I've talked to you about purpose, and I was like, the best, the best thing you can have is to discover your purpose in Jesus. Because when you discover your purpose in Jesus, when you wake up in the morning, that passion will drive you to accomplish great things for God. What I didn't tell you is that when vision gets clear in your life, get ready, because all hell's about to break loose. And what I didn't tell you is that when you discover your purpose in following Jesus, that Pain is on the other side of it. And you know what? I'm a, you know, I don't think I told you that because I don't think the churches in the Western world would be full of people. <laughs> because in the Western church, and I won't go far into it because I love the church, but in the Western church we have gotten to this place where we're just telling people what they want to hear and not being real what it really means to follow King Jesus And to be a follower of Jesus, once you get your vision clear, get ready, because your purpose is going to cause some pain. And so I want to talk to you about that in Acts chapter 14. So right there on your notes is Acts chapter 14. If you're not used to how I teach, um, I'm going to go through the Scriptures, and then I'm going to make points as we go along. You ready on the journey? All right. I think I got five of you woke up on that. That's all I had. It's the best I had right there. All right. Verse number eight. In in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that moment, the man jumped and began to walk. Now let me give you some context of Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. They're preaching to everyone, Jews, Gentiles, and they've run into a lot of conflict, a lot of persecution. It has not gone well for them. So they're just going out, doing what God has called them to do, and they're running into a whole bunch of conflict. I'm amazed, and you should be as well, when you read the scriptures, how much conflict is in the scriptures. There's a whole lot of conflict in scriptures. So Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas are on this journey. They have a purpose. Their vision is clear. They're going out, and they're just running into conflict and pain on a regular basis. People are trying to stone them. They're leaving. They're having dreams. They're having visions. I mean, it it is amazing. Now, they find themselves in this town, and the town that they're preaching in is made up of Jews and Gentiles, and there's different languages in this town. So not everybody speaks the same language. Paul is sitting down with a man that is lame, which I'm thinking, What else would that guy be doing except for sitting down? And he's talking to this man. The man is listening to Paul. Now, I'm going to use my sanctified imagination to put some stuff in the text. I believe that the apostle Paul was probably discussing with this lame man how God has healed people that that had his same condition. Do you remember in Acts chapter three, where Peter speaks to the man at the gates of beautiful and the gate of beautiful and he is healed. And in Acts chapter nine, Paul speaks to a man that had been bedridden for eight years and says in the name of Jesus, and he gets his, his, his strength back in his legs and starts jumping and dancing. Now I believe, and I could be wrong, don't, You don't have to believe this if you don't want to. I just believe God was, I mean, Paul was just talking about what God had done. That's why this man was listening so intently. Because if you couldn't walk, and this man's telling you about people that Jesus has healed, you're probably going to listen to him. And here's another thing. The man was doing all that he could do, and that's to listen. Don't let that pass you by. Sometimes in your life, all you can do is listen. And it's not a bad thing because if this man wasn't listening to Paul, he would still be lame. He would not receive the miracle working power of Jesus Christ if he wasn't listening. And so sometimes all you need to do is listen. And then Paul is speaking to him, and it says in the text, it's so interesting. It says in the text, he saw the man's faith to be healed. Have you gotten to the place in your relationship with King Jesus where you're looking at people to see if faith is there? He didn't see his own faith. He saw the faith in the man that was lame. He had enough intentionality and compassionate desire in his life to look at people in their eyes. He's explaining to them about the kingdom of God and says he saw faith. He didn't just see faith, he spoke to it. He spoke to it. He registered this man has faith to be healed and then he spoke and he says, stand. And I think the church has lost their voice in some context. Yeah, you agree with me. That baby hadn't lost her boy. Yeah, come on, somebody. You see, I think when a need is present, faith is always hovering, waiting for a believer to speak. And then the miracle happens. And if we just stopped at the story here, it would be great. But then this story takes this strange twist. Listen, let's pick it up in verse number 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to him. So you have this miracle of God. Yes, this is awesome. And then the people start getting super excited and they're speaking in a language that Paul and Barnabas don't know. So Paul and Barnabas at first are clueless that this is happening. And the people are getting all excited. Then they're probably like, yay, woo! Yeah, look at this, the crowd is moving. We're doing something. And what they didn't know is that they had deemed them gods. <laughs> your Zeus and your Hermes, and back in, the, in this particular city, there's a legend that gods had, these gods had come and visited in times past, and this couple had hosted him, and they had the favor of the gods upon them, and then the gods left, and so the legend probably caused the people to anoint Paul, and Barnabas as gods because they didn't want this to happen again. And so now they're going offering sacrifices and somehow it doesn't say how long the text took, but somehow they start figuring out that these people are excited because they think they, they did something and not Jesus. And so they're trying to figure this out. And so maybe they're talking to their friends like, hey, hey man, do you speak, you speak English? What's happening over here? What are, what are these bulls about? <laughs> what are these rees about? And so it's not going the way you would think it would go. I'm getting somewhere. I promise you. Up there, gonna... <laughs> She's like, move on. <laughs> Verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends. Why are you doing this? We, too, are only humans like you. Now, if you tore your clothes, it wasn't that you were like WWF. It means that somebody had committed blasphemy. Like, from the deeps down depths of you, you you are protesting what's going on. And so you would tear their clothes. But Paul and Barnabas, they didn't tear their clothes from the outside. Hey, guys! I'm upset. They run into the crowd. And they shout, friends, what are you doing? We're only human like you. Do you know what the Apostle Paul and Barnabas understood that I think we could, we could glean from this morning? There's a difference between popularity and purpose. They didn't want to be popular. They had a purpose. And in just a few scriptures, you're going to find out that that purpose is going to inflict a whole lot of pain. Now, Paul and Barnabas, they could have been just like, hey, guys, let's just coast. We could be gods here. (laughs) hey, we could camp out right here in this town and every day we could wake up and we could be like, hey, I want some coffee. Where's the bulls? We're kings. But they weren't trying to build their kingdom. They were trying to build God's kingdom. They weren't trying to elevate themselves. They were trying to elevate the person of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this popularity thing and we can lose the sight of purpose. You see, purpose makes much of Jesus. Popularity makes much of you. Purpose looks to love, help, and serve. Popularity seeks to be helped, be loved, and be served. Purpose requires you to stand. Popularity requires you to compromise. Purpose prevails. Popularity fades and purpose produces pain. And then the story begins to shift a little bit more because now the crowd has gotten a little out of hand, so Paul begins to preach to the crowd. And I think we can learn some stuff as believers from this particular text because Paul meets people where they're at and talks to them about Jesus. He doesn't meet them where he is at he is one of the greatest theologians that's ever walked on planet Earth. He has writ- he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and Paul doesn't start by talking to people about things they don't understand. He understands that the people before him, he understood his audience. So when he begins to talk to them, he meets them where they're at, and he says this statement. He says, "We are bringing you good news." <laughs> Oh man, just walk away with that today. Come on, please. Like church, we have good news. (laughs) There's a whole lot of bad news. We have the good news. Uh, Bad news, good news. What should we be communicating to a world full of bad news? We ought to tell them the good news. (laughs) And how does Paul do this? Paul doesn't talk to them about how their theology, theology is jacked up. Paul talks to them about, "Hey guys, you can now turn from your worthless idols and you can you can worship the living God." Hey, I got good news for you. What you're doing is not working, but I have a better way because I know the living God. And then he even goes further in this particular. I'll read it to you. In the he says. God who made the heavens and the earth and to see everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go on their way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Paul is telling the people that don't believe in Jesus about the goodness of God that is released to every human being on planet earth. He's saying you have things to be thankful for, and the God that you don't serve loves you so much that he has provided for you the heavens and earth, the rain and the crops, plenty and bountiful. That's our God. He loves you even though you don't even love him or you don't even know him. And in this particular passage, Paul doesn't even have a chance to finish his sermon. Now, again, using my sanctified imagination, I would assume that Paul was going about to say that man that was lame, that is now walking around and jumping around in your town. The reason why he's doing that is not because Paul and Barnabas were not gods. He's doing that, because we spoke the name of Jesus, the most powerful name on the, on the planet that has the ability to resurrect the dead and to heal and to bring uh, the dead to life. That name that's above every other name. But Paul doesn't have the chance to finish his sermon. You know why? Because he's got haters that are following him. You got haters that follow you? <laughs> you have a vision and a purpose clear in your life you begin to go step out in those purposes in that clearing and then you have those naysayers you don't have any naysayers you don't have they knew who you were before and they still think you are who you were before but you are growing from faith to faith to glory to glory and you're moving forward but they're moving backwards paul has these haters that are chasing him they're jews they don't like anything he's doing so they're following him from town to town where he goes they go and what is what are they trying what is he trying to do he's trying to snuff them out do you know you have an enemy that's trying to snuff you out do you know that you have you have things that are against you that are trying to cause you not to do what Jesus has called you to do do you know that you do <laughs> and these people are following him and look look in verse number are you still with are you with me Okay. Verse number 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. (laughs) Oh, man. They came and won the crowd over, these Jews. Mm. The same crowd that anointed them gods wanted to kill him. in just a few moments later, the warnings here are a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Following the crowd, chasing popularity, that crowd will turn on you in a moment. You've witnessed this, haven't you? Our world is full of this. We exalt people to a place and then they do one thing wrong and the whole crowd turns on them and cancels them. See you later. What's <laughs> interesting in this particular moment is that you have Jews that don't believe in Jesus. You have Gentiles that don't believe in Jesus and they form a coalition to destroy Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas. Jews, according to their tradition, shouldn't even be talking to the Gentiles. You talk about a coalition. The enemies of darkness, the darkness has a strategy for your life. If you're not careful, they'll come at you. And they do come at Paul. Check this out as we finish today. They stone Paul, and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Oh, it's so much fun following Jesus. (laughs) They stoned Paul, drug him outside the city thinking he was dead. And my favorite part of this whole passage is verse number 20. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, And went back in the city. Shut up. No, did I just read that? Come on, somebody. Pastor Alex, did I just read that? Come on, if you can't preach that verse number 20, you need to not preach, right? But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back. That's why I came here this morning. Some of you need to get up, and you need to go back. You need to get up and go back, because you have bought into a system that has told you that when your vision is clear, everything's going to be fine. But that's not the reality of walking and following Jesus. Because when your vision is clear, and your purpose is clear, you're going to run into conflict, and you're going to run into pain. But here's what you do. When you get knocked down... You get up, and you go back. The audacity. When persecution in the apostles, Paul's life increased, so did his boldness. And I want to communicate to you this morning that we need to get back to the place where that boldness is released in your life. And I'm telling you, telling you, I'm telling you that the Lord wants to increase your boldness today. Like today is the day of salvation. He is the God of the eternal now. Like he doesn't want to release boldness in your life on Monday morning. He wants to do it this Sunday morning. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand this morning. Did you get anything from that? Vision clarity produces conflict. Purpose produces pain. Choose purpose over popularity. And when opposition increases, pray for that boldness. And that's what I want to pray for today. I feel like the Lord just wants to release the church, the ecclesia. Can I just give you permission? To, to go after the things of God. Stop waiting for somebody else's word. Stop waiting for the special moment you have direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords by the blood of Jesus. He has a plan and a purpose in your life, but that plan and purpose is going to produce conflict and pain. That's a part of living in a fallen world. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world and And you and I need to get into the word of God, draw close to Jesus so we can have the boldness to stand where no one else is standing. Sometimes I think the church is waiting for the darkness to go away instead of being the light that causes the darkness to go away. You are the light of life. You are the light this world needs. I'm preaching to myself, baby. No, are you here? Raise your hand. Raise your hands in there. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. He will never fail you. He can't fail you. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you.